It's the Stones Will Cry Out Radio Show. Coming to you live via satellite airwaves. Where the voices of men, women, and children behind bars will not be silenced. The Stones Will Cry Out. DingoLive.com. Freedom from the abyss of the Iron Beast. You're listening to the Stones Will Cry Out radio show with Domita White. Domita White. Domita White. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to the Stones Will Cry Out podcast show which is a platform for the voices of men, women, and children behind bars to not be silenced. Before we get started, I would like to thank our amazing sponsors, Xeno Live, Y4L, Entrepreneurs for Life, Triangle Restoration House, and Google Ads. Ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts because I assure you that you will be thrilled by this interview that is about to take off right now. I'm so thrilled to have on the line a remarkable and outstanding young gentleman and a dear friend of mine, Mr. Maurice Brooks. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. How about you? I'm doing fantabulous. Thanks for asking. So because we're pressed for time, I'm going to start with the questions. So can you please explain to our amazing listeners who you are and where you're calling from? My name is Maurice Navarro Brooks. I'm from FCI Talladega. I've been incarcerated for the last five years. Awesome. So thanks for sharing that. So can you explain, like, I guess, where did these robberies take place? What town, what city you were in? Yeah, it took place in Louisville. At the time, I was like 19 years old. And the robberies took place because my brothers had got locked up. So, you know, we just came up with the idea of being young-minded uh, to really try to come up with some money to get them out. So that was the whole premise of the, of the robbery. So... We took, play, we took part in the robbery, and over the course of six months, we ended up robbing nine banks, which nobody was hurt. You know, so I like to stress that fact because the average sentence for murder in a federal sentence is 20 years, for terrorism is 20 years, for hijacking uh, is 24 years. So the that they sentence us under is like it's a double, it's a double jeopardy clause. And what it is, they send you to this statue where they charge you with whatever your instant offense is, but your house was robbery. And robbery only consisted really eight years. But on top of the eight years, they charge you with the guns. And they give you a, a multiple uh, conviction rate under the 924C. And it's like a monopoly. So what they do is they stack the charges on top of one on top of the, the next. So five years for the first robbery, 20 years for each robbery after so that's how I ended up with 220 years. So this is why they call it stacking. Um, so 
I'm trying to simplify this in my head because I I thought that a person that if they serve the, a, a, a time for a crime that they committed, they go to prison, they come back out, they commit another crime, and they go back in. So wasn't this a recidivism statute? Yeah, that's what it was intended for. Uh, the legislature intended when they came out with the law, really, it was 1968 after uh, the assassination of Martin Luther King. Uh, and it was to, to discourage a person from committing a crime with a firearm. And if a person was to have served time for that offense, got out and thought about serving, uh, thought about, you know, saying, committing a crime with a gun uh, again, it was to discourage because the penalty was was raised from 5 to 20. So that's what it was. That's crazy. 
What's the purpose of making a law if somebody else who didn't write the law can change it and interpret it the way that they want? That's not fair. Um, That's what the whole fight was. You got a lot of people pushing over behind it right now, like Van Jones, uh, Kim Kardashian, Jay-Z, Bill. There's a lot of people behind it. Really, all of this started behind Kaepernick. That movement that he started with the deal there. A lot of people don't really give them credit, you know what I'm saying, for right. the, um, the way the criminal reform uh, movement took place. But it's really, it was because of him, you know what I'm saying, the stand that he took. You know what I'm saying, I always like to applaud him for that. Right, his bravery. That's awesome. So, where are you right now at this point in your time, in time for your quest for freedom? Uh, right now, I'm currently uh, filing in a, I'm in the process of filing uh, clemency uh, to the President of the United States before the term. Because they're encouraging us to do so under the, the, uh, the First Step Act bill that was passed. They actually they actually uh, aimed the National 24C Constitution. However, they didn't pass the bill retroactively, meaning that it only applies to the people from the days forward. When they passed the bill which was on the 21st of December last year, the people prior to it, it don't, they don't benefit. So, what they doing, they encouraging us to file for a petition to clear it right now in Washington. So, okay. that's what I'm in the process of doing right now. Well, I, I definitely pray um, that is successful. Awesome. So, what could we as listeners and advocates do to help bring about real change in this criminal justice system, which is really unjust and harsh? You know, for men and women who are similar situations such as yours to get home sooner, what can we do? Yeah, what everyone can do really is get in touch with their, their state representatives. Whoever it is in your state, the congressman, uh, senator, governor, got to call and get in touch with them because honestly, a lot of a lot of the uh, politicians and a lot of state reps, they really in favor of prison reform, criminal justice reform, but it's not a, not a, a lot of people who really voice it. And I really think it's like it because a lot of people not impacted directly by what's going on with uh, the laws, you know what I'm saying, the federal system. But it can definitely be changed if everybody can be handed and everybody can on one accord. Because it's, it's, it's definitely going to save taxpayers a lot of money. And there's a lot of dudes who uh, made poor decisions based on their environment and the circumstance they was in. But it don't mean that they bad people, you know what I'm saying? They just need to be given a second chance. There's a lot of programs and good programs that dudes take. They got a lot of trades in there. Dudes get the trades that they built. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a good incentive for them to go and reform themselves and come home and they can be successful people in society. Awesome. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. Great. So let's shift the atmosphere a little bit. I'm truly excited about your latest accomplishment for a project that you just completed. So can you tell the listeners what this project is all about? Uh, the project is uh, been like a little, a little while in the making. A lot of people been encouraging me. They want to know my story. So uh, I just took the time and, and wrote a book. I wrote a book about it. About like, what's it called? It's from a federal prison. Got my circumstance, what I've been doing, what led me to, you know what I'm saying, doing the things I did. And like I said, man, I ain't read the book. I tell everybody, I ain't write the book. It's like not to glorify nothing that I went through, nothing that I did. You know what I'm saying? Just to tell my perspective from being like a man child going through them type of um, the situation that we was in that you know like for love man you know what I'm saying like you just you do anything for love you know what I'm saying but that was my brothers you know and I just wrote the book and it's like it was my journey 
take the time and write it and share it with everybody that really likes it, you know what I'm saying, so the younger guys can read it and, you know, they can, like, learn from it and, and take heed to what I've been through, so they ain't got to go through it at the same time, but the people who had hurt, you know, you can change it, there's a lot of people in jail, you know what I'm saying, they ain't got no incentive to do nothing, because it's like you got young dudes, they come to jail, you give them 30, 40 years, there's not no chance, there's not, it's not, you know, like, ample time for them to grow when you, when you put them in here. So it's like, what's the reason for me to program how to better myself? The only people in jail who better themselves is the people who really want to do it. You know what I'm saying? For the right reasons, I just do it because they want to change. And then sometimes it, it takes a harsh, you know what I'm saying, situation or circumstance for a person to change. But at the same time, when a person is growing to taking the time to grow, they need to be afforded them opportunities where they can get out, you know what I'm saying, prove to society that, yeah, you know, I, I did this, I messed up, I made a mistake, but, you know what I'm saying, I changed. But you got to give a person a, a chance to show that they change it right now. That's not being given with the time that they're handing out. All right. That's that's an awesome um, explanation. I thank you for that, for answering that question. Um, I think about Michael Jordan. A lot of people didn't know that he didn't make the varsity team on his school, you know, during the first try. But he didn't sit down and defeat. He used that as leverage for motivation and inspiration. And he's revered as one of the best basketball players ever. So what was your breaking point and what gave you that leverage to find motivation and the inspiration to want to change for better? Well, what motivated me, honestly, um, is like the situation I went through here. I had a chance to get moved closer to my house. And uh, I just let my pride, you know, get in the way of the situation really that I could have walked away from. So long story short, I went through it with a guy and I got transferred from away from my house. But in the process of me getting transferred, I never I never understood that, you know what I'm saying, the things that I do in here impact the people I come out the street. And my daughter, she was really like hurt behind and beat. Instead of getting moved closer to the house, I'm getting moved further away. So when she didn't want to, you know, like communicate with me, so like it like hurt me and it made me think. So you know, what I'm saying she gave me, a, she gave me that in that moment, right there, the moment of time, it was like my room had grow. So I found my meeting perfect. So I started like applying myself and just changing, like you know, what I'm saying I think about the people who I'm trying to get back to. You know, what I'm saying my kids, because I've been gone since my daughter was three. You know, she's 25 now. When I left the streets, I was 19, and I'm about to be 43. So, you know, it's like, it's a long time coming, but the things we do in jail, you know what I'm saying, a lot of people on the street don't know that they impact the people we care about on the street. So, yeah, it's like, we still living. We in here, we, we from our people, but it's like, life still goes on. Yes. That's amazing. Thank you. And um, you just had, you had the opportunity to change and you didn't, you made the right decision to do that. So thank you. So this is my, I have two more questions to ask. And, um, I looked up the meaning of your middle name, which is a Latin surname, and it's from Spain, and it means Christian Kingdom of Medieval Spain. So, what do you think about that, and how does it relate to you as the man that you are today? Uh, I definitely feel like I'm a king. You know, it's like the walk I went through, man. I came from basically like you know the same backgrounds that everybody else came from. You know, what I'm saying like being in the inner cities, and they played with the same issues. You know, like the teen pregnancy unemployment, high crime rates and all that. So, you know, just to make it out of that, they're saying something. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people make it. Uh, on the first time, a lot of people are taking two or three tries to make it. But as long as you make it, you know what I'm saying? That's what it's about. Awesome. Okay, so let's go back to the previous question um, regarding your project, your latest project, which was your book. Could you tell us what the title is and how the listeners can um, purchase your book? 
Um, the name of the book is, is titled When We Were Young. And right now I'm in the process of trying to see if I'm going to, I'm actually going to sell it, whether it's going to be on Amazon or I'm going to do self publishing. So that's the process. But I know this by Monday. So um, right now I guess like Amazon will be the best bet. But if I come out with something else, I'll probably be posting on my uh, Facebook page, which is Maurice Navarro Brooks. That's my Facebook page. And I'm, uh, we'll post it on Monday, which is tomorrow. Awesome. That is awesome. Um, I'm sure everyone is proud of you because that is an accomplishment. And, um, you know, your story is something to be, you know, behold, people to behold. So awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Great, great. Uh, yeah, you was asking me about, uh, like, my, my push as far as, like, criminal justice. Yes. The one of the things that I did is, uh, I took the time to come up with a website, which took a few little, few years. You know what I'm saying? What the website basically is, it's, it's like set up where I reached out to a lot of people within the, the Federal Bureau of Prisons who was impacted by 924C, not just the male uh, population, but the females as well. And it just showed, like, show our stories. It was like blogs, and it's a lot of things on there to educate the public. As to like you know what 924C is, you know what I'm saying, which supposed to be a recidivist clause, but like I said, they just stack them all in one single indictment. So it like confused the public as to really what they doing with the 924C. And one of the things the 924C does also is it deprives the person of due process. And what I mean by that, the proper due process, um, when you go in front of the judge and the jury is called in, and if you go to trial, um, and you get convicted of a 924 C, they not they don't know that you know what I'm saying how much time that you gonna get uh sentenced to. So if you had like you know what I'm saying the way the 924 C is, it's a de facto life sentence. The de facto life sentence is basically like when they give you uh life, which is measured in numbers. Some people get natural life, but when you get somebody who get 125 years, or 80 years, or 70 years, that's the sense. This that's basically a life sentence. You know what I'm saying? So it's this term of de facto license. And that's what they handed out to us. So, you know what I'm saying? Just to really, like, you know what I'm saying, combat this issue. You know, we try to educate the public through the website so they can jump on there and the public can see, you know what I'm saying, see what's going on. And they can hit, you can reach out to some of the people on the site if you'd like to. You know, I just support, uh, you know, put it, push it, uh, the website on social media and get everybody involved and educated. So that's what uh, the reason for the website thank you for sharing that information that's very important because i recently found out that uh, you know what you said piggybacking off of what you said that sometimes a sentence is already handed down and it's not by the jury and people don't know this and that's you know it's not fair and it's like why the hell do i go for jury duty when you're not going to freaking value my opinion as a juror yeah. so yeah, yeah thanks yeah, for man, sharing you know, it, it, not to cut you off but it's, it's another thing it's like when you got the death penalty case when you're dealing with a death penalty case and um uh, you know you get convicted but the jury they bring the jury in for the first phase which determines you know what I'm saying, beyond a reasonable doubt, you're guilty. So if you are found guilty for, say, you know what I'm saying, the murder that they charge you with, they come with another jury 
for the death penalty phase. So the death penalty phase, it, it enhances your, your sentence and your life now and, and your liberty. So it's, you know, they're going to take your life, so they got to bring another jury in to determine their factors. And without a jury, they really can't impose that. So it's the same thing with the 924 c Only difference between 924 c they don't bring another jury in to determine. So a jury sitting in on, you know, saying, say like my case, they say, okay, yeah, we, we say I'm guilty of bank robbery, but this is first time locked up. He ain't got no juvenile record, no dope record. So now we don't feel like. What's called it from a federal prison? We don't feel like he deserves no 226 years. That's what they deny the jury. Uh, uh, for taking it, and they really were supposed to be, you know, say come up with that determination, but they leaving it up to the judge. That's why they say they legislated from the bench. So you taking all of it, you interpreting what Congress uh, intention was with the 924 seat, which is supposed to be a recidivist uh, club, meaning I rob a bank, if I rob a bank, you know, say no matter two or three banks, you give me five years for the gun on top of the incident offense, so I get seven years for the bank, five years for the gun. But what they doing, you know what I'm saying, instead of me getting out again, and if I rob a bank, you know what I'm saying, I do whatever I do, but if you can enhance me, I'll be looking at 25 years. And the reason the 924C was put in place, it was to deter a person who, who been convicted of a crime, who went to jail, and got out a certain time from that previous uh, uh, conviction. It's supposed to be to deter him from wanting to even pick a gun up and commit the crime. But you're doing it all in one instance, and it don't give a person a chance to grow. I correct his mistake. You know what I'm saying? That's what they deprive it. You know what I'm saying? The people who've been convicted of that charge, and like I said, it's 85% of the people who've been impacted and sentenced under them. And so for the stacking, uh, the, the issue, the stacking sentence, penalty is, you know what I'm saying, minorities, particularly black men. That's crazy. I mean, I, I'm thinking in my head, I get, you know, a judge, but which somebody had told me when I went in for a hearing that if the judge was pissed off, you know, or if you're not the first case for the day, if you're like the last case for the day, he may not even look at your case, just turn your file down. And if he has an attitude, you know, he could just come up with his decision. It has nothing to do with the jury, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. bananas. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I appreciate, you know what I'm saying, uh, you taking the time to have me on here and really, like, trying to share with, uh, the nine, what they doing to 924 C. Because, like I said, when they first came out with it, uh, Representative uh, Bobby Scott and Jim Sisson, two congressmen, uh, they was pushing for it originally. And this was, like, a couple years ago, in, like, 2015. They came up with a bipartisan bill to do away with the 924 C altogether. And what was so encouraging about that bill is you had over 50 uh, representatives, you know what I'm saying, from, from bipartisan representatives, Republican and uh, Democrat, who were supporting the bill, saying that, you know what I'm saying, the 924C is unconstitutional. Even Loretta Lynch, Attorney General, former Attorney General for Obama, she said that it's not human, it's, it's not human un-American, you know what I'm saying, to send somebody like that. So, you know, you got a lot of people speaking out about it, but the public really not educated on, you know what I'm saying, the 924C and how it impacted the people you know what I'm saying, where they remove us from society. You know what I'm saying? Because like I said, murderers in the federal sense, they get 20, the average is 20 years. And you know, child left big in 11 years. So I mean, what's more sacred? A person like when somebody commit a crime with a gun, especially when you don't use the gun, when you just carry it. And you know what I'm saying? I'm not really trying to like, you know what I'm saying, condone it, doing none of that, but I'm just saying, you know, stating the facts. You know what I'm saying? Some people, you know, they, they do what they do. And you know, it's the environment you grew up in, you know what I'm saying? Could be like, uh, play a part in it. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you take a person out that involvement. 
they give them a chance to grow. And, and a lot of people, they only they emulate what they see. You know what I'm saying? Or they they like uh, they gravitate to what they know. And then in the environments that you know, say we come from, especially you talk about the inner city where it's like uh, poverty stricken, and you know what I'm saying? You growing up in a household where it's, it's, me growing up doing the, the crack, the crack era was rough because I mean, you know, you got like people who's respectable, women who was respectable, who nine times out of ten would be a lady walking down the street and she'll be somebody who see me doing something wrong. And she'll be like, yo, get in the house. Or, you know, she'll correct me. But that same woman doing that crack girl, what she did, that diminished her womanhood. It diminished a lot of dudes with uh, manhood because the same thing we used to look up to, you really stopped. You started like, you know what I'm saying? You didn't have no respect for them because that same lady should do anything for a piece of drug. You know what I'm saying? A piece of crack. You know what I'm saying? You know how it is doing that era like that. So I just feel like that destroyed a lot of, like, you know what I'm saying? Our, our relationships and the fact that we hit the community. It bonded us. A lot of that was like dissolved during that period. Yes, I, I totally agree, but you know, hope is not lost. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to do this interview to enlighten people because you're a true example to show others that no matter how strong or secure your adversary is or might appear to be, you use wisdom now. You've been so matured. You have a strong mindset and you didn't let this overcome and take your efforts. You know, you didn't let this suppress you and oppress you. So I, I thank you for this and I pray that people listen and take heed and that they're inspired the way that I am because um, this is amazing. So thank you. I thank you. I appreciate you for having me on. And, uh, I know we can do this again. Hopefully next time I'll be on the street, probably on the book side. And, you know what I'm saying? They finally get it right on the laws uh, and cancer retroactivity. And what people can do right now to really like push to uh, help get the 924 c where I need to be. Like I said, call your state representative and say that you support 924 c being retroactive. Okay, I thank you for that. I'm definitely... Um, because no one else has told me, you know, contact your state representative, you know, for this particular statute. So I'm definitely going to um, do that first thing tomorrow. And um, so I just want to know if there are any last words that you would like to impart with the listeners. But before you do that, I just want to let the listeners know you know, that you have been such a blessing to me. Um, you know, you and I, we just met and developed such a bond and you're just an amazing person. You're remarkable. You know, you have such great morals, ethics, you know, you're a diligent person. You, you have the great characteristics of a great person and that's what you are. So thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, it's something I live with is what my daughter always tells me. And um, she always say love is and what you say what you do and I agree with that so you know it's just like man from this point on like you know what I'm saying um, what I want to do is just try to make the best impressions and you know what I'm saying be the best role model for my kids and be an asset to my community so that's what I'm at that's what I leave everybody else with that's awesome I appreciate that that is very powerful coming from such a young lady with such wisdom and you know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree obviously so that's great thank you for sharing that I appreciate it, man. Anytime, anytime. So you continue to do what you do. And, and like I said, from your lips to God's ears, you will be home soon. So thank you. All for right. Y'all take care, man. Appreciate it, man, for having the, uh, take the time to have me on here. Thank you. And you stay blessed. You have a blessed one. Take care. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for staying put for tuning in to this awesome 
empowering and just awe-inspiring interview with Maurice Navarro Brooks and we will now break for a small commercial. Calling all teens, tweens, and preteens. Do you have dreams and aspirations of owning your own business? Then look no further. Our Youthpreneurs for Life Guide to Financial Literacy and Small Business Planning is the ultimate tool for you. Start by claiming your status by rocking a young boss, business-oriented and self-sufficient, or a CEO, Chasing Excellent Opportunities t-shirt. You can also rock our signature wild square woman of wisdom, woman of the world t-shirts. Do you love writing? We can also bring your story to life by helping you to become an author. All of these products, services, and more can be purchased on our website at www.a2anc.com. Aspire to acquire, strive, soar, and succeed. Looking for ways to expose your product or brand? Please go to www.a2anc.com or email us at the Stones Will Cry Out Radio Show at gmail.com. You can also call us at 919-264-4638. The Stones Will Cry Out, where the voices of men and women and children behind bars will not be silenced. Well, listeners, it has been a magnificent and awe-inspiring interview with my good friend Maurice Navarro Brooks, author, spoken word artist, chef, prolific writer, and someone whose endearing qualities shine so bright that everyone can't help but love being around him and people can't help but to love him as well. His journey is a testament of what a transformative life is all about. No matter where he goes, Navarro creates a circle of acceptance wide enough for all. If you would love to assist him in his quest for freedom, please contact me at the Stones Will Cry Out Radio Show at gmail.com. That is all together, the Stones Will Cry Out Radio Show at gmail.com. This next song epitomizes and sums up exactly who my special guest is. Situation that you ever had to respond to is adverse. Messiest thing you've ever gone through is your purse. Yeah, I don't cry like hell, but I might as well hang it up like a shell. Gotta keep rolling with it evolve. Cause you can keep throwing shit at the wall, but you're gonna find that nothing's gonna stick until you apply yourself. 
Time to slip in that zone till I find myself inside the realm of the unknown and boldly go in the waters where nobody else has gone before. I'm willing to go uncharted, feeling it so calm. I'm feeling myself all the giant sometimes. I gotta remind myself that I didn't forget. Every ounce of my blood, every breath in my lungs, won't stop until I'm finished. Trying to clown the fuck out of you When you feel like you're running out of fuel I'll show you how to use doubt as fuel Convert it to gunpowder too Now what you do is put the mats to the charcoal fluid Put the spark to it like Martha Stewart barbecue And all oh, screw it Feel like you wanna hit that wall Then do it Punch through it Just cock back Put your arm into it Now You gon' take that rage And make that what you raise Never take back what you say If you stay strapped in your brain Engaged in a steel case Man, it's ready to scrap base I take it fist in this ball So it's big and small It's your Christopher Wallace Now picture them all This plastic and foam that lays flat Where you put your dinner plate hat And set it on like a placemat Cut up power to it, but it's what allowed me to come up out from under the fucking ground. Cause I work my butt up now with a subject that I don't know how to shut up about. Cause I stuck it out like a motherfucking tongue to tie. I responded when I got shoved around. You're gonna have nine believers, but when you're beyond belief, you probably shouldn't wonder how. Get it how you live, but are you prepared to give more than you get? And put in twice what you get back from the shit. So what you sacrifice barely is half, never give. Rap is my shift, but it's like my shield. At the same time, I will, and my knife is will. Sometimes I feel just like be real from Cypress Hill. How I could just kill a cypher, survivor's guilt. I rhyme like life is still an uphill climb. Ready to face any challenge, waiting can taste it as salivation. I'm waging retaliation, look what I have built. Reputation is validation, the only thing I'm capable of making is amazing. Only thing you're capable of making is a false statement of accusation. I'm legendary status, in fact, that is the only way you'll ever be able to say Your legend is making an allegation I write with the left, same hand I hold the mic with As I fight to the death, to my last breath Man, it's to prove who the best man is Availing, all costs be the only one left standing In the end, but I ain't gonna be the only one with the advantage Of knowing what it's like to be Southpaw Cause you can bet your ass you'll be left-handed Cause I am Of youth entrepreneurs for life, 
the co-founder of Warriors for Epilepsy, an author, and a spokesperson. My mom said I talk a lot, but I have the gift of gab. Oh well, works for me. So if you're looking into inspiring you or a spokesperson for your event or organization, look no further and book me. Aspire to acquire and strive to succeed to be the best you you can be. Well, listeners, this is the conclusion of another powerful segment of the Stones Will Cry Out podcast show. I'm not just a prison advocate, but I also advocate for epilepsy, which is a disorder that can strike anyone at any age and at any time in their life. And mass incarceration is no different. Unfortunately, there are prisons set up all around the world, regardless of your race, gender, culture, class, location, and age, as there are children also serving time behind bars. But there's a huge disparity when it comes to people of color, especially in this country. My amazing guest was a child when he was sentenced. I urge you all to have dialogues about prison culture and please play a role in deterring other youth, even if they're not yours biologically, as what affects one eventually will affect all of us. Until we meet again, may you all continue to be blessed. And for my Latino family, que Dios les siga bendiciendo, que los guardes, les amo todo. Thank you so much, listeners. I love you all. God bless you. Bye. Change something strange. Beep, beep, beep. We 